Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now this is the drive at 5 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli Well, speaking of unintended consequences, antitrust regulators like America's mother-in-law, Elizabeth Warren, have just hurt American jobs and given a gift to China. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. I'm going to go right to our guest. I'm very happy to have him back. Robert Ward Jr. is the president of the... Put him on hold here. Get a little bit of an echo. Um... President of the Antitrust Education Project and president of the Bork Communication Group, Robert Bork Jr. Uh, Matt, we're getting some sort of an echo. I'll let you see if you can pick up the phone and see if we can figure that out. In the meantime, what I'll do is I'll set up the topic, as they say in the biz. I'll set up the topic. So uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, has uh, prodded antitrust regulators to block Amazon's acquisition of Roomba. They make iRobot. Those are those little vacuum things that go around your house and do all the vacuuming for you. And some have mop features now. On Monday, the two companies called off their deal amid opposition from competition regulators. What a coup for the Chinese. Progressives opposed Amazon's $1.7 billion bid for iRobot the moment it was announced in August of 2022. They claimed without evidence that Amazon would undermine Roomba rivals selling on the company's online marketplace and use the smart vacuum to spy on American homes. But they mostly worry that the acquisition would make Amazon more powerful. And here to talk about it with us, Robert Bork, Jr., president of the Antitrust Education Project and president of the Bork Communication Group. Uh, Thanks for joining me in Philadelphia again. I appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm great. Sorry about the echo, but no, that's here okay. I am. I'm glad you're here. Uh, w- Elizabeth Warren, I mean, once again, you know, once again, meddling and sticking her nose into the private uh, economy and making things worse. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, what they don't like in the progressive left, uh, Elizabeth Warren, is you referred to her as the mother-in-law. America's like mother-in-law, that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no offense to like, mothers-in-law out there, but you know, no, I, I you know I like my mother-in-law. So, <laughs> but uh, look, what what they don't like is uh, anything big, any company that innovates and creates new, uh, useful 
products and services that uh, are on the cutting edge, which then they have to figure out how to control or regulate, you know. Uh, they don't like Amazon because it's huge and, and makes cu- customers happy. You know, you know, Amazon, for example, is uh, only, is only, only, the only organization more popular than Amazon in the United States is the United States military. Uh, so, you know, people love Amazon. They love their services. And Amazon was going to take this company, which was formed in 1990 and has done amazing things with robotics, and take it to the next level. But they didn't like that idea because, as you said, they, they came. I don't think they really think that, that the your Roomba is going to spy on you. I think it might sneak into my bedroom at night and try to kill me. But, <laughs> but I don't think they I don't really think they thought that what they don't like is that Amazon would uh, have uh, another uh, successful product and make more money. But but take a product that was struggling and make it better. And now, of course, what they've done exactly ex- exactly is kill it. Because, you know, the moment they announced that the deal wasn't going to go through because the Europeans said they wouldn't approve it, uh, this American company, iRobot, laid off about a third of its staff, and uh, the CEO left. He quit or was pushed out. And, uh, you know, what you've got here is an opportunity to take this company to the next level. And, and by the way, who, as you said in your intro, who wins? Not some other small American company that was competing. No, the Chinese win. The Chinese dominate the home robotics market. This was a chance to give, you know, pump blood and oxygen into I, into iRobot and, and take them to the next level. And yes, Amazon would have benefited, which is exactly what they don't like. And that would have meant more jobs. Now we have less yeah, jobs. Yeah, more jobs. I mean, right. A $1.7 billion deal to buy Roomba. If I worked at Roomba and then this didn't go through and now I've lost my job as a consequence of that, I'm very angry today. I really am. I'm, 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 I'm very upset because I thought, you know, this was going to be great for me and my future and my family and everything else. Nobody thinks about that un- unintended consequences, uh, Robert Bork Jr. They, they just see, you know, all the evil that Amazon will do if they, if they own this, this, uh, Robot vacuum Here's the the silly thing about all that. Where do you think these people who work for iRobot are going to go? So instead of staying at iRobot, maintaining that asset and developing more of the robotic science there under the, with the, with the support of Amazon, they're going to lose their jobs or they're going to quit and walk away because the company they're working for isn't what it used to be. And Amazon may, in fact, hire a lot of those people because they, they want to get into home robotics. They, you know, they, they view, you know, they purchased Ring, uh, you know, the, the doorbell yep. and camera thing. Uh, and they want to get into the, what I guess is referred to as the Internet of Things. They are already in the Internet of Things. Uh, this is another thing that uses the Internet uh, to improve the life of consumers. Uh, you know, so th- those those scientists who work for iRobot end up at Amazon anyway, uh, but without the uh, that core asset of iRobot that that was would have made it really a great acquisition. So I, you know, but but Elizabeth Warren can you know mount another uh, head on the wall and <laughs> feel good about herself. You know, what's also scary about this. I mean. In addition to Elizabeth Warren fighting this and, and, and our own government fighting this, the European Union was against it. The European antitrust regulators 
And so th- this is America is becoming so much more like the EU in this thinking, which is really scary to me, I think, because I don't want to be like them. I, I don't want the United States of America to go that way. No, and the EU, you know, I love I love uh, Europe. It's a beautiful place, but they don't make anything there. They don't invent anything there. Uh, you know, there's no, uh, I guess, what's the French word for apple? Palm. There's no palm there. There's no no company inventing new and amazing things there. So uh, all they do is is basically tax and regulate American things there. Uh, and uh, so what, what you get is, and frankly, you know, they are essentially the assassination squad for uh, for uh, Lena Khan and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, you know, if, if we can't, if they can't get them here, if they can't get iRobot here, and they can't get Amazon here, which she's desperately trying to do. Uh, call, you know, dial up your buddies in, in 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 Brussels, and where they have different laws, and say, well, you block that deal. I can't block that deal. You block that deal. And, and, and in fact, in the, uh, there was a story, I think, in the Wall Street Journal uh, that pointed out uh, that uh, the, we had a quote from the uh, European Commission Executive Vice President saying, yeah, we were in close contact with the Federal Trade Commission during all of this. So it's a, you know, it's a collaboration or, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, a conspiracy to, to kill American companies that create jobs that create wealth, that create products and services that people want, that satisfy consumer demand. Uh, and ultimately, I think, you know, to uh, try to kneecap capitalism. It's also worth noting that iRobot laid off 350 employees. It's a Massachusetts-based company, which obviously makes Elizabeth Warren. She's the United States senator from Massachusetts. So obviously, I mean, it, you know, that, that's 350 of her constituents she just helped play a role in killing their jobs. I mean, you know, let's not forget that for a moment. I was reading over, I, I love following your tweets, and I highly suggest that you follow the antitrust education product on tw- Twitter at antitrust edu. There was another merger that they're trying to kill, and this is between JetBlue and Spirit. And um, I, I read your, your piece on this. I think when people first hear these things, they go, oh, man, that's going to mean now... I have even less choices. If those two airlines merge, then I'm going to have even less choices in the marketplace. So I want to block this merger because, you know, there's just right now, there's just not enough airlines to choose from, and this will make it even worse. Short-sighted, very short-sighted. But, uh, you know, it makes perfect sense that if that's your mindset, that two companies merging is is a bad thing, then, uh, yes, it makes perfect sense. But the simple fact of the matter is that the unintended consequence of that will be that spirit will suffer. It was, you know, it's a struggling airline. Uh, there will be uh, higher prices and low and, and fewer flights uh, served in that by by, by that uh, and by those two air, airlines. And you know, and, and what do we get for that? We, we get to feel good that we stopped two smaller airlines from competing with the bigger ones. That's what it would have done. It would have created a, a somewhat larger airline to compete with you know, American and United and, and, and the other bigger airlines. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the short-sighted left, it doesn't see it that way. No, and then the the problem is that, as you point out, Spirit is a chapter, is headed towards Chapter 11. I mean, it, they're, they're bleeding right. cash, they're laying off employees left and right. This merger would have would have saved a lot of jobs and saved, it saved that company, which they now may go under. And 
if lack of competition is your biggest concern, then let the merger go through because now you're going to have more competition versus Spirit going under and now you've lost an airline that's gone versus two airlines merging together to build bigger planes and serve more routes and employ more people. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense to oppose this. But the judge who wrote this opinion, I mean, he wrote, Spirit is a small airline, but there are those who love it. To those dedicated customers of Spirit, this one's for you. He actually wrote that. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really kind of frightening the economic illiteracy that is uh, <laughs> rampant uh, in some in some quarters of the economy uh, of the country, um, and that uh, the judge uh, uh, displayed all of it. Uh, and you know, you know, uh, JetBlue was trying to uh, appeal that, and Spirit, uh, I think, is going to walk away from that appeal because they they can't afford it. Um, right. So we're going to see more. Uh, you know, another little bit of our uh, economic uh, uh, you know, prowess with airlines uh, just be bled off because it made some lefty, uh, you know, unhappy to allow a merger to go through. Well, I appreciate your, you keeping up the good fight here. Before I let you go, I also noticed that you, you guys have been tweeting out a lot about uh, DEI. And you said, you know, why don't we break up the, the DEI monopoly uh, and the ESG monopoly and everything else, because, I mean, th- this is going to be another thing that really is causing businesses to, to be hurt in this country. And again, the government's all in on this stuff and forcing this down our throats. And it has to be stopped. You're, you're right. You know, I spent a lot. Of, I spent a lot of time since we started the antitrust, uh, uh, antitrust education project talking about the things I was against in antitrust. And then I discovered what I was for. Uh, let's break. Let's fight the ESG cartel. That is the biggest cartel in the history of mankind, it makes, you know, it, it makes the, uh, uh, the oil cartel in the Middle East look like a lemonade stand. It's, you know, this is trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars uh, being uh, used uh, in the, allegedly in the name of the environment, but actually being used to destroy capitalism, destroy fossil fuels. And uh, there's another whole fight going on there, which I'd love to talk about sometime. Well, we'd love to have you back on the show anytime. Robert Bork, Jr., president of the Antitrust Education Project and president of the Bork Communication Group. Thanks so much for joining me in Philadelphia. I appreciate it. I always enjoy talking to you. It's the 5 o'clock happy hour on The Rich Seoli Show. Brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. A premier full-service resort and conference center. GrandHotelCapeMay.com uh now i have a, i've got so much to get to and uh we're gonna talk to andy mccarthy at 5 35 about a number of different things on the uh in the court front but just so you know i mean biden right now is screaming he doesn't have enough authority on the border and that is an absolute lie and that's something we're going to talk about but the president of the united states is not enforcing immigration law at the border he's not enforcing border security congress empowered the president to do these things and he's not doing these things. And Joe Biden could end it tomorrow. He could sign an executive order ending catch and release. He could sign an executive order which reinstates the Remain in Mexico policy. He got rid of all these things on day number one. And Joe Biden also ended Trump's national emergency on the border as soon as he became president. Just like when he killed the Keystone XL pipeline as well. And you don't need a border bill 
to give the president of the United States more authority. Joe Biden's out there yelling, going, I need more authority. I got to give me authority. Give me the authority. I'll close the border tomorrow. I'll close the border tomorrow, he says. First of all, isn't that racist? Because we heard that for a long time. We heard that it's racist to close the border and shut it down. We heard this from Beto O'Rourke. We heard Democrats screaming about that. We heard all these things. Now, apparently, with Joe Biden saying, if you sign, if you give me this bill, I'll sign it and I'll shut down the border, which, of course, means you have to pass Ukraine funding, which means you also have to give him everything he wants as far as amnesty changes, which will only empower more people to stay in this country and all the other things he wants. But he says, I need this power and I'll shut down the border tomorrow. That's what he says. But not before I get this bill. So Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked a question. And this is a very good point here. I mean, how do you how do you justify this point? How do you isn't this hypocritical? You guys went after Trump for years saying he wanted to shut down the border. and He was xenophobic and racist. Now, Joe Biden said the uh, is now saying the exact same thing. So isn't it racist when Joe Biden says it? Uh, Cut number nine. Back in the winter of 2018 and the spring of 2019, President Trump vowed to shut down the border with Mexico. Uh, using almost the identical language that the president used on Friday. Uh, Many, many, if not most, if not practically all Democrats called that xenophobic and even racist. Why uh, shouldn't people make the same conclusion about this president's to shut down the entire border with Mexico. So we believe the new enforcement tools uh, that currently don't exist, that will be, uh, we believe that will be part of this bipartisan agreement, uh, will be fair. We believe it'll, yes, it'll be tough, but it will be fair. But he didn't say he wanted to use, excuse me, sorry to interrupt. He he didn't say, I would, on on day one, I will use enhanced enforcement to improve the processing of people at the border. He said, I will shut the border down. Which, which suggests a, a total rejection of all people attempting to cross the border without, without a visa or without, without proper authorization, which you know mm-hmm. stands in contravention to decades of international and U.S. law um, that, that governs the, the movement of people around the globe and the, and yeah. the refugees and asylum situ- system. Yeah, no. So I un- isn't that the same thing that Trump did? No, I understand your question. What I'm saying to you, the new enforcement tools, right, that we believe that do not currently exist, that will be part of this bipartisan agreement, there's there are different there are different definitions, right, of what that looks like, of what actually uh, shutting down the border looks like. Right? No, it, there aren't. It's either racist or it isn't to shut down the border. That's the point. It's not racist to secure the border. That's the thing. You Democrats have been hypocrites. But don't fall for this whole thing about Biden needs more power. Biden does not need more power. He's got all the power he needs as president of the United States. He can declare that a national emergency exists. He can send the army down there. It's not a posse comitatus issue because we're not on, we're not dealing with U.S. soil. We're dealing with them. I mean, doing domestic things on U.S. soil. We're dealing with them securing the border. There's lots of things Joe Biden can do. He could shut down every port of entry if he wanted to. There's lots of things he could do. He just doesn't want to. And he wants to get more money for Ukraine. And that's what this is really about. This is a scam. It's another scam that's happening right now. And here's Representative Robert Garcia. So uh, now this clip is ridiculous. Trump said a lot of things that were hyperbole on the campaign trail, and he never did them as president. I, I know it's shocking. This is one of those examples of this. Trump used a lot of hyperbole in his speeches. They were very entertaining. But he never did these things. 
But Robert Garcia of California, a Democrat congressman, is an open borders guy. So he wants open borders. So he believes that any enforcement of the border is wrong. He's one of those people that believe that America has to atone for its sins. And as part of that atonement, everybody who wants to come here should be allowed to come here. So he mocks what Trump says and he pretends like this, these ideas that Trump put out there were actually serious. Take a listen to this. Cut number eight. I, I, I will not yield. I want to remind the public that Donald Trump and House Republicans also have their own ideas for the border. So let's review the majority's border ideas that they've actually presented. Here they are. Donald Trump actually has said that he wants to build alligator moats along the border. That's one of his incredible ideas. Good. Stop it right there. Let me just say for the record, I'm all in an alligator moats. Hell yeah, I am. Hell yes. You get me some alligator moats. Problem solved. Done. Now, Trump didn't do that in the four years he was president. That's the first thing I would do if I was president. I would bring alligator. I would make alligator moats great again. You're damn right I would. (laughs) I might even throw in some crocodiles in there. I might even get me a crocodile moat while I'm at it. All right, let's keep going. Another idea that Donald Trump has promoted it's he actually wants to electrify the border fence. Good. Even Yo, let, some... good. Electrify the border fence. I'm all in. You don't have to have the kind of thing that'll kill somebody. Just enough of a shock with a they go flying backwards. Hey, remember the old bug things we had as kids, the bug zappers? <laughs> like that. I'm not saying you could kill the people, but they, it would just go up and then they go flying backwards. Like Jurassic Park. Exactly. Not enough to kill, but it's really give them a shock. The problem with that, though, is then you know what will happen. The kids will all do a TikTok challenge. Who can withstand more more shock? <laughs> yeah. So that's the that's the problem with that. That's why I, I, I say it's not going to really work. You know what I mean? <laughs> Plus, they'll come up with, with anti-electric suits. You know what I mean? Like the kids will come up with like duct tape themselves. And you know, like, so I'd go for a Velcro wall where you might get stuck on there and then we could, we could push you off. <laughs> that sounds like a game show. Yeah. The Velcro wall. Why not? Uh all right, let's keep going. On the border. That's another Donald Trump and MAGA majority border yes. idea. Another idea, which I'm not sure how, how well it would go, is he wants to actually bomb northern Mexico with missiles. Good. You know why? Another- Cabo is way too expensive. I, I mean this for real. I, I've had it with my friends who go to Cabo. I think they're very snooty. And I want to see northern Mexico bomb for that reason. You ever have a friend go to Cabo? It's like, you know what? You just think to yourself immediately, you jerk. You know what I mean? I went to Cabo. Oh, yeah? Well, guess what? If I'm president, I'm bombing it. So you can't even go there anymore. All right? <laughs> you're bombing it because you're jealous of your friend's vacation yeah. plans? Yeah, I am. I, my, my friend recently went to Cabo, <laughs> and I've always wanted to go. And if I can't go to Cabo, well, I'm bombing northern Mexico. All right? Yeah. That's how I roll. That's how I do it. Now, of course, if you bomb northern Mexico, there might be some unintended consequences, you know, like clouds of radiation or shrapnel or whatnot but i don't care i'm bombing it anyway because of cabo that and puerto vallarta that's it done all right keep going trump idea and finally i think one of the ones that i think um is the most grotesque is suggestions that instead we should maybe just shoot migrants in the legs as they cross the border (laughs) so once again the donald trump and maga plan but not with bullets dummy you want to use darts like dart guns That'll be like when you shoot the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. <laughs> and we could pay people to stand on the top of the border wall with you know dart guns. Boom. Or maybe water guns. How about that? 
I mean, that would be fun. Super soakers. <laughs> Nobody wants to walk around in wet clothes. No, that's what I mean. You super soak the hell out of these people. They won't, they're not going to try to cross the border. You might Are you well, kidding? Might as well just put Jurassic Park at the border. I mean, I'm all for that, too. Right? It could be an attraction for both sides. <laughs> no one's going to cross through it. You've got alligators, an electrified fence. You're getting shot with water guns. <laughs> And but the only problem is we bombed you, so you know there's that. I mean, I'm not. Why would I go through all the trouble to make an electric fence, alligator moats, and have water gun shooting stations, and then just bomb the place? That makes no sense whatsoever. Radioactive alligators does sound pretty menacing. Or though. maybe sharks with freaking that, laser beams. That How about that? Sounds like a dinosaur. That sounds like a dinosaur reincarnated. How about sharks with freaking laser beams? We just build a big, you know, thing from the sea to sea, flood it. Sharks with freaking laser beams. I mean, if we're doing the whole Jurassic Park thing, we should just bring back like a Megalodon. That'd be kind of cool. Fine, I'll do that. I'll make a Meg... Oh, no, I'll bring back a prehistoric crocodile and just put him right in the Rio Grande. (laughs) Yeah, try and cross now, B. So, yes, thank you, Robert Garcia, for pointing out all of the things that Trump said and didn't do as president because they were ridiculous hyperbole. But I promise you, if I'm president, I will make alligator moats great again. (laughs) Day one. Day freaking one, okay? And I will not rest (laughs) until there's alligators and crocodiles, too. (laughs) The most ridiculous thing. Then you got to feed them, though. That's the only problem. What do you feed them with? Well, we'll make them man-eaters. They can eat the migrants who are trying to cross. I think they already are man-eaters, right? Yeah, uh, they'll eat anything. Yeah, so then the problem solved. There you go. Done. Boom. I don't have to feed you. You eat them. You eat the migrant. You eat the illegal immigrants. They go boom. There you go. I like it. What happens if the alligators get electrified on my fence, though? I didn't think about that. You oh. need new alligators. That's fine. I will get a lot of alligators. I'll get you an alligator. So, today. It sounds like you have the budget for it anyway. Well, I don't care what the budget is. I'll borrow the money from China if I have to. But I'm getting my alligator moats. Gonna make and I'll, I'll make Mexico pay for it. That's gonna be my campaign plan. I'm going to build alligator moats, and I'm going to make Mexico pay for it. Forget a wall, all right? Okay. Uh, we got to talk to uh, Andy McCarthy coming up next. But first, I want to tell you about the wonderful people at Cherry Hill Volvo, because there is a sensational sale happening over at Cherry Hill Volvo this month. How about a beautiful S60 courtesy Volvo for less than $29,000? It's an incredible opportunity to experience luxury for less. There are courtesy S60s with less than 5,000 miles on them. They are selling right now for less than $29,000. There are a limited number available, so don't wait on this one. Right now, Cherry Hill Volvo is undergoing a massive renovation to their dealership in order to serve you even better. They are open, have ample inventory, and are ready to meet you today. So why not start the year off with the luxury vehicle you deserve? A Volvo from Cherry Hill Volvo. It's a great time to visit with many incredible incentives available. Again, hurry to Cherry Hill Volvo today to get a courtesy S60 Volvo for less than $29,000. These cars are made in the USA. We're talking about American jobs, and it's great because these cars are beautiful and safe. The best technology and safety features out there. You'll love driving one. And they also have an incredible selection of SUVs as well. The XC90 that Bridget drives. Just a third row with, for the for the kids. It's beautiful to get around. And uh, the XC40 that I have, which is a great SUV with tons of room, and it handles fantastic on the roads. 
Either way, you'll have an incredible experience at Cherry Hill Volvo. They are our studio sponsor. We broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo studios, and we're incredibly proud of that fact. There's no other Volvo dealership who stands with Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. So please, go there today. Cherry Hill Volvo is where relationships matter. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The only show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. I'm getting some uh, amazing tweets regarding that segment. <laughs> I just did, but I'll share some of those with you in just a few moments uh, as we'll do another social media check in. But the top story of the day today is the border situation. No question about it. It is brought to you by our friend, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. He's my dentist, he's my friend. He's the master of dental implants. Go make an appointment today by going to VenariaDental.com, VenariaDental.com. Andy McCarthy is back. Always great to have him on the show. Senior fellow at National Review and former assistant United States attorney for the Southern District of New York. The author of the book, Ball of Collusion, the plot to rig an election and destroy a presidency. Andy, always appreciate your time. How are you doing? Rich, I'm doing great. Nice to be with you. Very nice to have you back on the show. Let's start with the border, shall we? What a disaster this is. Biden is screaming that he needs more power. Andy McCarthy, does Biden really need to be empowered anymore by Congress to deal with the situation? No, he has all the power he needs as well as the obligation. Um, There's a section of the Immigration and Nationality Act that's very clear. Um, I, I, I... hesitate to read because I know that stuff to people on the radio, but just very flatly, it says whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may by proclamation and for as much as long as he deems necessary, suspend the entry of all entries or any class of aliens. Um, uh, suspend the entry of all aliens or any class. So, you know, that, and that's federal law. Federal law also says that uh, illegal aliens, when they're appreh- apprehended, are supposed to be detained uh, until the conclusion of the legal proceedings that determine whether they have a right to stay here. So, you know, there's plenty of statutory law that supports Biden. Um, closing the border. The other thing that's uh, always weird to me, Rich, when we have to discuss this is Biden doesn't enforce any laws that he doesn't want to enforce. We've seen this like time and time again uh, in various different contexts. So why on earth he, he claims that, you know, he can't do something because the law prohibits it when, you know, leaving aside that the law doesn't prohibit it, um, that's never stopped him before with respect to anything else. Um, so his his position is just nonsense in my mind. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's repaying student loans, even though the Supreme Court said that was unconstitutional. He doesn't care. He's still finding a, a way around that. So uh, laws don't seem to be a problem for Joe Biden. 
But you, you, you've done something remarkable uh, at NationalReview.com, Andy McCarthy. You tied Iran into the border, which is really, uh, this is an excellent piece. Borden's, uh, Biden's Iran crisis overlaps with his border crisis. And you, you point out the fact of, of the totalitarian regime in Venezuela, the operational alliance that Iran has had with this Marxist regime in Venezuela, and, and Biden's role in all this, and then how that equates to the border. And so tell us about that. Well, you know, among the ways that Biden is violating or not enforcing the immigration laws is he's made up this authority for someone who's so uh, persnickety about what the law is, right? He's made up this authority that he doesn't have to parole illegal aliens massively into the country. And one of these programs affects a group of, I think it's five countries in uh, South and Central America. The lion's share of these paroles that he is issuing uh, go to Venezuela, but the total is 360,000 people a year. Uh, And again, Venezuela gets a goodly slice of that. And even though he's allowing people into the country from Venezuela and elsewhere um, under this illegal program, tens of thousands of people are coming to the United States from Venezuela illegally anyway, you know, totally apart from this uh, visa scam. Um, So you have a situation where since Biden has been in office in in uh, among the five million plus people who have gotten into the United States, if you count all the people he's captured and released, plus the gotaways, um, there are hundreds, probably in excess of 200,000 people who've gotten in from Venezuela. And given Iran's operational alliance with Venezuela, Uh, And the fact that we have a lot of reporting about Iranians coming over the border, I I just think it's insane for people to think that uh, Iran would not exploit that uh, avenue for getting into the country if they needed to get operatives into the country. And every time I read about um, Biden's fear that the war in the Middle East will escalate, I have no doubt that he is worried about that. But I think what Americans ought to be particularly worried about is the very high, I would say, probability, not possibility, uh, that Iran Iran has operational cells or cells that they can activate uh, inside the United States in the event that uh, this, you know, careens into a conflict with Iran. It's a a great point you make. And you in your piece, you also bring up Christopher Ray's testimony on how people have been coming into this country illegally and have the United States is keeping a close eye on that. I mean, we, we know that this is not some big conspiracy theory here. We, we know that this is a real thing. Yeah, they, they've gone after people uh, from with Iranian backgrounds who, in the aftermath of the killing of Soleimani during the Trump administration, Um, You know, it's been very widely publicized that the Iranians wanted to kill uh, American officials who were involved in that uh, and that there was a step up in security arrangements for a number of those officials um, who were who were tied to it. This is like highly public information. But I thought it was valuable to have the FBI director marshal it for Congress, because it seems to me this is a really big deal. I know that I have kind of um, 
you know, I may have what are deemed to be antiquated ideas about this, but um, I prosecuted terrorism cases beginning eight years before 9-11. And one of the things we were always very concerned about is the lack of security at the border and the lack of serious enforcement of the immigration laws was a great channel for people who wanted to perform jihadist operations in the United States to get in here. Uh, It happened any number of times. And I have to say, Rich, the border was a lot more secure in the mid-1990s than it is today. I mean, that's just an absolute sin right there. Andrew C. McCarthy is with me, and he is the guy that put away the blind sheik in New York after the first World Trade Center bombing. So it's just uh, great to have him on the show. Switching gears here for a moment, uh, you wrote a piece. uh, This is a kind of a a different kind of terrorism. This is political terrorism here. You wrote Trump Twilight Zone in New York, and you go through the E. Jean Carroll defamation suit. You rightly so remind people this is about defamation, not a sexual assault claim. Um, And then you go through also this case, which is still ongoing here, this supposedly civil case, which to me, I don't know, Andy, it seems this to spit in the face of the intent of the Sixth Amendment. I mean, the the penalty they're seeking here is is so egregious. I think it it demands a jury trial. But um, but let's talk about what what they're doing to the former president in the state of New York. Well, this has gone on now, Rich. I guess the trial is over, but the trial went for 11 weeks, and we've been waiting for, I guess, about a month uh, for the judge to render a decision. And it's important that people understand the way the New York so-called justice system works. The judge in this case, Arthur Engeron, is an elected progressive Democrat. The lawsuit was brought by Tish James, the elected progressive Democrat, attorney general of New York state who campaigned on the proposition that basically if you give me New York state prosecutorial power, I will use it against Trump. It's like the classic Soviet, you know, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. Um, That was what she ran for office on. Um, She ended up whipping into a civil fraud case. The, investigation that the prosecutors in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office looked at for years, went up to the Supreme Court twice to get Trump's uh, access to Trump's financial records for for that purpose. Uh, And this is the case the criminal prosecutors decided not to bring because they didn't think the evidence was strong enough to make a criminal case. There is no victim in this case. There is no one who has come forward and said, uh, you know, Trump defrauded me on a bank loan or on an insurance contract or anything of the like. Uh, We're dealing with sophisticated financial actors who do their own due diligence, regardless of, uh, you know, what a party represents his assets are. I'm not questioning uh, whether Trump inflated his assets. He may very well have inflated his assets. But in a in a financial fraud case, you expect to find fraud victims. There aren't any here, but under a monstrous New York civil law, they've proceeded. They've found that Trump is guilty of persistent fraud, despite the lack of victims. And they are not only trying to put him out of business. At the beginning of the trial, uh, the attorney general, James, said that they wanted disgorgement payments from Trump of $250 million. And then after 11 weeks, when they didn't prove any victims, She came out at the end and she said, you know, on second thought, we want three hundred and seventy million dollars. And anybody who's watched the way this trial has unfolded 
uh, would be very surprised if uh, Judge Arthur Engeron doesn't do exactly what Tish James asked him to do. I mean, it's it's insane that that one judge has all this power. And it's insane that that Trump does not get to face a jury of his peers, considering that this would be the end of his business, theoretically. I mean, it's such it's like in my mind. And obviously, I mean, I'm not an attorney and I understand this is New York state law. But I mean, when people think of civil cases, they think of, uh, you know, somebody, an aspirin company suing somebody else or something. They don't think of the government going after somebody under the guise of it being civil, not criminal. But then the penalty is such a loss of your of your property, which then turns into a loss of liberty that um, you can destroy somebody. I mean, that, that that's so antithetical to the reason why we have a, a Sixth Amendment right to a jury trial. This case, I think, is so emblematic of that. Yeah, I, I think there's um, there's probably wrong on on both sides here in the sense that the New York law does not appear to provide for a jury trial. But for just the reasons you're outlining rich um constitutionally speaking when you have a penalty of that nature that's on the table that's treated like a criminal case and you're entitled to a jury trial um i don't know if it's fair to say the fault lies with you know trump's legal team for not pressing hard enough to get a jury trial did they just assume that they weren't entitled to one is it that the statute is written so poorly but one way or the other this ought to be a jury trial and it ought to frighten people. This is like, you know, everybody needs to get over their um, their Trump obsessions for this purpose, because if they could do this in New York to their number one political enemy now, they could do it to anyone. And Trump has a lot more resources to fight them back than the average person does. But who on earth would do business in New York under these circumstances where they can put you out of business and take millions of dollars away from you? Under, in a fraud case where they can't show that they were fraud victims. It's amazing. Well, so well put, my friend. Well put. Andrew C. McCarthy, National Review, as usual, great stuff. We'll post links to it. And uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Rich. The Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, let's see, a number of other things. But I did want to share some tweets. Let's do a quick social media check-in, courtesy of our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo. Uh, Let's see here. Um, Signs of autumn signs, says Rich, regarding the border issue. (laughs) Throw prisoners in a moat. Make sand traps along the border. You fall down the hole, tunnel back to Mexico, but some sand holes may have a gator pen at the end of the tunnel. It's a take a chance kind of a game. Not bad. Johnny Cook says gators are mostly docile. Crocodiles are the meanest SOBs on earth. Water buffaloes and hippos kill even more humans. As you can see, I've put a lot of thought into this. I would go for water buffaloes over alligators. And I'll tell you why. Because I could also get buffalo mozzarella. And buffalo mozzarella is the greatest cheese for my pizza in my pizza oven. And it's very hard to find at a decent price. So in addition to being used as a deterrent, for illegal immigration, I could also get some good buffalo mozzarella. So thank you, Johnny, for that. Um, Sean says, <laughs> "Is that that's not what? Isn't it buffalo? Like I'm not right. It's not buffalo mozzarella, is it? It's a yeah. It's a what do you mean? It's not. A, I don't, it's a it's, buffalo. I don't. The water buffalo. Am I wrong? It's is it not called buffalo mozzarella? Yeah, it's it's buffalo mozzarella. Yeah. Is it? I'm, I don't what, know. what what are you asking here? I don't. Understand. I didn't think it was. 
like buff. I didn't think it was spelled that way. It's it's, it's literally a cheese made from a domestic water buffalo. I don't. I, why are we even having this conversation? <laughs> I don't know. Right maybe now? maybe I switched it, timelines it, or something. It's an right? Italian Mediterranean buffalo. But what is the point of jumping in here to bring up? So you don't even know. Like, why not just Google it instead of jumping in to ask? I don't know. I thought I'd make good radio. <laughs> why why would I look your, it up? Your lack of knowledge of of cheese? mozzarella di buffalo. Yeah. You just thought it was called buffalo because it was a really big ball of cheese. Is that why? No, I, I didn't think it was called buffalo. <laughs> I mean, it's not the correct Italian pronunciation. That's but, what I'm saying. So I didn't think right. It was but in from... America, we call them buffaloes. So that's why I said a buffalo. Okay, you know I, mean? I didn't think the spelling was the same way either. I thought well, it was no, like because a... it's a different language. You see, they speak Italian over there, and <laughs> here in America, we speak English. So it's actually even spelled differently too. They spell it B-U-F-A-L-A. Yeah. We spell it B-U-F-F-A-L-O. How did this turn into a Rosetta Stone segment? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Any other questions, Henry? (laughs) This is why I worry about you being off the grid completely, okay? Because I feel like you won't even be able to Google stuff like this. In fairness, he is right. It did make for a good segment. I think it's hilarious. I think it's the worst segment we've ever done. (laughs) It's so bad. I don't think it should be in the podcast. I mean, I, I cut the podcast. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll take this out. No, you leave this in. Uh, Sean Lucas says, how about making the border a revenue generator? Taxpayers can pay 20 bucks for five darts to shoot. It could turn into like the Jersey boardwalk. Really? You could pay to see the water buffalo. You could pay to shoot water guns at the uh, the migrants. Right? And then pay to see people jump off the electric fence. <laughs> it's hilarious. Eric the Red says, how about paintball guns to secure the border? Then we know the stupid people would try it a second time. I think you can wash the paintball off, though. That's the thing. You know what I mean? I think so, anyway. Uh, no, it's not bison cheese. Now, you see what you've done, Henry? You've created an uh, alternate see, timeline. See? Maybe I'm not wrong. It's a cheese made... From the milk of domestic water buffalo. It is the best cheese. It is used in Rome and Campania and Puglia, and it's wonderful. And it's true. True pizza, according to the Napolitan standards, has to have, the cheese has to be buffalo mozzarella. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the mozzarella. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't know. I didn't think it came from a buffalo. I don't know. I just thought I just thought that's what it was called. You thought they were fat shaming the cheese, like like <laughs> buffalo, buffalo, like buffalo wings aren't from, you know cut from a buffalo. <laughs> True. What? Fair. That, that's a good point. It's a that's a <laughs> no. It's not. Don't entertain that. It's an excellent point. When Henry sees buffalo wild wings and he sees the big buffalo with the wings, he's like, "That's not real. <laughs> that's, that's not real. <laughs> There's no way that thing's real." I'm calling BS on this commercial. <laughs> You are correct in that buffalo wings are named after the city they were apparently formed, or, you know, first created in, and not from buffalo. Yeah, maybe maybe that wasn't a good example, but <laughs> right. I'll think of something. I'll think of one. Yeah, I don't think buffalo mozzarella came from Buffalo, New York. No, I could be wrong. I think it came from Naples, Italy, because somebody had the temerity to, you know, milk a buffalo. Who that person first was, I don't know, but he said, "I'm really going to regret this." You know what I mean? Little Giuseppe milking a big buffalo, turning into cheese. God bless him. Probably did it on a dare. Probably was. Most great things in life do happen on a dare, right? Am I am I right? <laughs> it's 
Fantastic. Uh, all right, 855-839-1210. Coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, the fourth and final hour, a lot to get to, including um, what is going to happen with Iran? What will Biden do? And the Taylor Swift, Jason Kelsey psyop that is not a real thing by the way we don't really people think that it's we're making fun of the media when we say that stuff but i'll tell you about that plus cory bush the defund the police squad lunatic she is under investigation by the biden department of justice tell you all about that as well don't go away rich zioli weekday afternoons three to seven talk radio twelve ten wpht and on the free odyssey app Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.